This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Tracy, Tim, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. I'm super excited. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited you're here and you have an easy name, not like ah, mine. No, not like yours, friend. <laughs> that is for sure. Although I don't understand, when I was in nursery school, I was like, I think three years old, I thought my teacher was stupid because I could say and spell Struchewski, and they're like, uh, Mark S? <laughs> yeah, there you go, Mark Ski. <laughs> I like it. Yes, they didn't, they didn't call me Ski back then. But uh, welcome to the show. You are a Texas girl. I, I'm in Houston. I'm not a girl, but I'm in Houston. You're, you're in the big D, as they call it. Yeah. And uh we like to affectionately call it the uh, country of Texas as we just allow other people uh, to come visit uh, if we're because we're still in the mood. Right. Yep, absolutely. And we leave and we come back. It's just one of those places. So I'm, I'm happy to be home. <laughs> now, before we get started, who in the world is Tracy Tim and what do you do? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm super excited to actually introduce myself because I get to add a new sort of thing into my title of of stuff that I say. So uh, I just published a book, so I can now add author to uh, to this whole list. So I am the founder of a uh, of business that has a proven career clarity strategy called the Nth Degree. Uh, and what I love is that it's it's sort of like a recipe. You know, if you and I were to look up how to bake a cake, we'd look up a recipe, right? And then we could be pretty sure we had a cake at the end. Um, this is our <laughs> recipe for uh, career clarity. It's a step-by-step process that gets people from stuck to unstoppable. So I founded that. I created that. And uh, so I, that's that's what I do. I have uh, five people on my team. And now I just recently released a book. So I'm an author, a uh, course creator. You know you know how like speakers and authors are, just have these yep. laundry lists of things after their names. But I, I really just want to say that I am the type of person who wants to help people just unleash their human potential and unlock their life's purpose through their career if if that is what they choose to do. So, yeah. I, I love that. And, and I had a laugh when you say recipe because my <laughs> idea of recipe is put it in the microwave for three minutes on high, <laughs> then stir. And that's my idea. Of but recipe. even that has a process. You know what I mean? It's like you got to cover it. You got to stir it. And so everything yeah. has steps. Everything has a process. But I just found it so fascinating when I needed career clarity that nobody had a recipe. You know, nobody had a step-by-step process. And the ones that I could find were really outdated uh, and and didn't really apply to my situation. So that's that's where all this came from. You know, what's interesting is 2020 has been, um, well, a very interesting year, to put it mildly. Yeah. And uh, in case you haven't heard about it, listener, there's this global zombie apocalypse pandemic called <laughs> COVID-19. And, you know, a lot of people uh, have lost their jobs. My wife was in the travel industry, which took an enormous hit. You know, she sold cruises and that's gone for the, right. the foreseeable future. And, of course, speakers, you know, when are we going back on the stage? When are we going to be able to hug and shake hands? We will eventually get there. I, I want, I always try to tell people this as much as I can. We are going to get to the other side of this. I don't know when we will get to the other side of this, but let's talk to those people who either got furloughed, laid off their, their job is gone. The company went out of business and they're struggling right now. Now I, I my wife and I live in Houston and Houston is based on oil and gas. And so when the price of oil dropped to like you know, rock bottom. It's good for everybody else because the price of gas is really cheap. But when you live in Houston, they're laying off thousands and thousands and thousands of people because, you know, they need the price of oil. Someone told me once at least $60 or higher for them to make money. So what do people do in a time like this, especially like my, my wife and I situation, you know, we own a home. We, we can't just 
pack up and move someplace else. So what are we to do? Or what is someone in our situation to do? Yeah, well, that's a big question, Mark. (laughs) I think you can come at it from multiple angles. Um, If we're going to come at it from the career perspective, then the goal is if you have been uh, furloughed, laid off, let go, or your industry is facing a significant downturn and you can see the writing on the wall. Um, I think the worst thing that we can do is just sort of pull the covers up under, over our head and like hope, hope that things will just shake out. And, you know, I'll address this when the world gets back to a quote, you know, new normal when everything, when the dust settles, right? The smart people right now are taking this time and the surprising amount of white space that they've been given in their lives, which are normally, you know, overextended and overscheduled. And we've got commutes and we've got, you know, tons of in-person and, and, uh, personal commitments and social commitments, right? We've got so much more white space than we ever have before. And the smart people are taking a step back and taking a really critical look at their career, their trajectory, where they've been what they've learned. And they're taking the time to stockpile all of that amazing value add that they've become as a professional and figure out how to repurpose it and transfer it into a new, still lucrative environment. So, you know, I find that it's really easy to say, if we're thinking linearly, okay, well, I've been in the travel industry, the travel industry is dying. I've been in the oil and gas industry, the oil and gas industry is suffering right now. Uh, what what's a girl to do, right? <laughs> what's a what's a travel industry specialist to do? Well, if you actually break down the component parts of how you add value doing your job, ninety nine point nine nine percent of the time you can repurpose or transfer that value to a completely different industry, a completely different environment. But it takes us as individuals and as the professionals to do that hard work, to do that discovery and that digging that we need to do to actually be able to articulate how we add value in an environment that's different from the one that we've been in for whatever period of time. So it it, it all goes back to transferable skills and transferable value, which is something that cracks me up because what, that's what we used to talk about like ages ago. And for some reason, I think, you know, now that our world got more and more specialized and frankly, more and more polarized, um, people have a much harder time breaking free from that linear thinking. So, you know, that that's a long-winded answer of, of if you want to succeed in this environment and if you want to stand out, we have a saying in our office, he or she with the most clarity is going to win in times of uncertainty. That is so important because that could be said to anybody, uh, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're, you're at work in the yeah. corporate environment, it's just clarity. And I, I think clarity is really lacking in our day and age. I, you know, mm-hmm. I use this, I say this all the time in my show that, I I'm a big proponent of goals, not new year's resolutions, but goals. And I said, if I went up to people and put a loaded gun to their head and said, tell me your goals, tell me your visions, you know, Mm. or I'm going to pull the trigger. I would probably be killing a lot of people and I would never do that. But my point is a lot of people are going through day to day. They're just assuming there's never going to be a COVID their company's never going to go into business and they're just, just going along on the coattails and then something like 2020 happens and they're like, rut row, what just yes. happened? Because they weren't, they weren't taking stock. They just assume they'd be in that job until the day they die or till they retire, whatever the case may be. And now 2020 is really, really making people go, 
huh, what if I lost my job? Because a lot of people still have their jobs. Mm -hmm. And I hope those people who still have their jobs, I hope they're going, huh, this is really weird. 2020, a lot of my coworkers lost their job. Let me take a step back, like you said, and let me look. Uh, how are my skills? Are, what skills am I are transferable? Because I think now's the time we need to think about that. You're exactly right. And, the, you know, no time like the present, right? But also right. when we've – people always ask me like, oh, should I wait to do this work when I when nothing else is going on? Meaning um, all the time I hear, oh, well, I'm getting married or, oh, I just started a new thing or, oh, I just moved or oh, we're in the process of moving or, oh, I have this relative we're caring for or whatever. I find actually that if you're already in a state of change, right? If your brain has already been forced out of its comfort zone, forced out of complacency, uh, forced out of maybe settling for whatever it is that's going on in your life, then that muscle is already being worked. It's sort of like there's a difference between you and I sitting here and then getting down on the floor to do one push up. right? That's, that's a huge leap. But to go from one push up to a second push up, that's a lot easier, right? Mm. So if I'm already in a state of change, then adding one more layer onto that change as far as complexity. So another thing that you're going to analyze is frankly, and, and actually scientifically, if you look at the psychology of how our brains work, so much easier than waiting for the new normal to settle in and then going, oh, now I'm going to change everything. You know, Now that everything is settled, I'm going to put myself back into that tumultuous place. Well, guess what? Once you've settled again, you're not going to want to go back into the tumultuous place, right? You're going to get comfortable. Your brain is going to be happy. It has a solution. Everything's fine. We're back in our routine. Now you may be miserable, but it's comfortable, right? And it's mm. easy. Whereas change in any capacity is hard. It's, it's as my business coach, it, it is if you say it is, <laughs> says, um, <laughs> which I'm like, oh, it's just so hard. She's like, if you say so, I'm like, oh, I hate, I hate it. But uh, <laughs> anyway, she, you know, she's, she's fantastic. But uh, it, 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 if you're already in some state of being shaken from your routine, being forced to look critically at your life or your career or, or whatever sort of conveyor belt that you've been on, for from however long until now, then now is the time. There's no more ripe sort of brain state for growth and for change than a brain that's already being forced to question what it's been doing for some extended period of time. I love how Tony Robbins talks about moving. You're better off moving in the wrong direction. This goes to your point. You're better off moving in the wrong direction than you are staying still. Because if you're moving in the wrong direction, you can pivot. You can go the other way. Mm -hmm. But if you're not moving at all, well, you can't pivot because you're not moving. So I think that goes along to what your point you just made. Yeah, yeah. We like to call it kind of like building your snowball in 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 our in our business. It's getting the snowball's core together is really hard, right? Packing it in enough and then getting it rolling is the challenging part. Once it's rolling, if it's going left and you want to course correct and go right, well the ball's already rolling, right? You don't have to get any kinetic energy going, you don't have to get any momentum going. It, it's it's working on its own. It's just a matter of course correcting. So, yeah, absolutely. I would I would I would agree with that. Also, but I also hesitate, Mark, and I want to push you on this that I I hesitate to call it the wrong direction ever. Because if you're moving, you're learning. 
And if you're learning, then you're adding something to your toolkit. Even if that something is, wow, this is something I do not want to do. Well, guess what? You've checked one more box. You've, you've crossed one more thing off the list. You're that much more clear. You're that much more focused. And that is value add so much more to your point than, than staying still and learning nothing. Well, I agree with you, but I was just repeating what Tony Robbins says. So, ah, but I, I'm pretty sure that he no, would. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he would agree with you. Um, I, I really, uh, you know, I cringe to think about a time when I used to think that, you know, a failure was horrible. And then yeah. someone once told me, no, failure is a good opportunity to learn. And once you make that little tweak in your mind, that failure, failure I have trouble saying it. Isn't that amazing? Uh, if you say, look, I'm going to learn. When I fail, I'm going to learn. And that's what a lot of successful people do. Whether you, It doesn't matter where you fail. You are not a failure. What you did failed. That's okay. And not everything everyone does is successful. Th- that doesn't happen in the world. But as long as you go, okay, why didn't that work? Okay, let me tweak this. And let me try it another way. That's okay. But when you fail and then you quit and go, I'm a failure. Well, that that's an entirely different animal. Hey there, it's Mark. I just wanted to hop in here real quick to invite you to check out MrProductivity.com to find out how to be coached by me for less than a dollar a day. Get my top five productivity tips and so much more. It all happens over at MrProductivity.com. See, and, and I don't think what you just said, I think is perfect when you quit and you, and you call something a failure. In, in my world, I, I think, I think words are really important. I think your words become your world in a lot of ways. And, and the way that you speak and the way you speak to yourself really informs your concept, your concept of reality. And in my world, in my business, I don't think of anything as a failure unless I have stopped trying right? Like we haven't failed yet. We just haven't found the right way to do it. It's very Thomas Edison, right? I didn't fail. I just found a thousand ways how to not make a light bulb. (laughs) But but would you call him a failure? No, because he eventually made a light bulb. He never stopped trying. He never gave up. And I think there's a a really good time to, to quit in fact, multiple times in my life, I've strategically quit things, which might be a fun thing to talk about. But I also think that if if you're pursuing something that has purpose, if you're very clear in your intention, just because it doesn't get traction right away, especially let's say as an entrepreneur or a small business owner, doesn't mean that it won't. It just means that it hasn't yet. So in our business, like we don't use the word can't. It's it's in our company sort of handbook, if you will, because it's not that you can't. It's just that you haven't yet. And if there's something you physically cannot or are not able to do, there's probably a way to get our team together to work through it or to course correct or to reconceptualize what we were trying to do. But there is no can't and there is no fail. There are just lessons in a right. sense. And I know that sounds kind of cheesy if you're out there like, no, like going bankrupt is failure. You know, <laughs> like uh, there are plenty of ways to actually fail, Dodo, right? But all that's true. It's it's just a matter of how you choose to talk to yourself about those quote failures or quote successes. People ask me all the time, like, what's your concept of success? How do you define success? And frankly, it depends on the day. But I think 
you know, let's say if if the original concept was to be an entrepreneur and to have a have a business, well, every day that I can continue to pay myself and pay my people and serve another client is a successful day, right? Like mm-hmm. just because, you know, I'm not Oprah level yet or, you know, haven't been picked up by X Y and Z outlet or I'm not a contributor to blah blah blah, like doesn't mean I'm not successful. If I go back to my original intention of why I have this business and what it purpose it serves, if we're serving that purpose every day, I think that's a success. And will that success continue to grow and change and look different? 100%, I hope, right? Like I I I don't want it to stay the same forever, but if it did, we'd still be successful. You know what I mean? So I I think it's just, it's semantics maybe. And and if you're out there listening and rolling your eyes, I totally get it. I used to be you. Uh, When I was 25, I was like, my life is over. This is the, you know, I quit a Wall Street job where I was making six figures at like 23, just stupid. And thought my my life had ended. I was going to start over and I was going to be behind everybody else. And and here I am, 32, on the cusp of my 30, uh, third birthday in a couple of weeks. And I'm not ancient, you know, I'm not Yoda level like in, inspiration <laughs> or, or insight. But, you know, looking back at myself seven or eight years ago, it's like, oh, wow, you didn't, you had no idea. The like life is short, sure, but it's long too. <laughs> yeah. And you have so much to learn, you know? So yeah. I just got to be kind to yourself in that, in that regard. Yeah. Well, my aunt has something that she's 83 years old, served this country in the army, and she's got this saying because she talks, she's a, a therapist and she talks to a lot of her Marine buddies and army buddies, whatnot. She always says, improvise, adapt, and overcome. Apparently that's what the Marines say all the time. And I think that I, I love that phrase because we come to an obstacle, any obstacle in our lives. Well, we can improvise, adapt, and overcome. Okay. Or you can quit. And I, I don't want to quit. And so uh, I used this, I shared this story once probably from the stage or whatever. If you're walking down a path, let's say you're walking down the path and it's a, it's a, you know, a dirt path and it's for, meant for walking. And then there's on both sides of the path, there's like water. Okay. So you're going down the path and all of a sudden you come across this, this little stick. Okay. Well, are you going to, are you going to go, Oh, there's a stick in the path. Um, I guess I got to go back to where I came from. No, you're going to step over it. Okay. Let's say the, the obstacle is now four feet high. Okay. Well, you know, you probably climb over it or you could find another way around it. Or let's say there's a door frame odd right in the middle of you know, nowhere in this path. There's a door frame <laughs> with a door and you come to the door and you're like, Oh, the door in my way, I guess you have to come back. Well, no, maybe the door is unlocked or maybe you can walk around it. Okay. And I love that improvise, adapt and overcome because if you, we're all going to get roadblocks. I don't care who you are. We're all going to come to roadblocks in their life. The question is you have a decision. Are you going to stop when you get that roadblock and go, well, I guess it wasn't meant to be. Or are you going to say, Hmm, I really want what's on the other side of this obstacle, but I can't walk through from point A to point B. Um, is there another way around it? Maybe you dig under, you could climb over it, whatever the case may be. But I see a lot of people, they just quit when they get the obstacle and they go, well, that's the universe's sign. I'm like, no, the internet went out. Doesn't mean you shouldn't pursue your dreams just because your internet went out. <laughs> Maybe someone cut the cable. And I think so many people read into things like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's so funny. It's well, here's the thing, especially in entrepreneurship and small business ownership. Um, man, things are tough. Like I I think I got into it half from like naivete and the other half from like, I have to solve this problem. But the reality is if I didn't feel like 
I had a true purpose in my own business and that I was solving a meaningful problem for worthy people that was going to help the world become a better place, I would have quit a long time ago. You know, like it's tough. It's you're like what you're just describing, like your internet going out. That's a catastrophe if you're running your own business from your yes. computer. You know what I mean? Like you literally cannot get in touch with anybody. And God forbid we're in like this day and age where everything happens over Zoom, which I am so tired of. Uh, but you know what I mean? It's like those are horrible days where you're like, I just want to do the work that I want to do. And I just want to make money and serve people and grow and, and do good work. And like this one stupid thing gets in your way and you're like, I'm out, you know, like I, I wish if, if you didn't have a clean podcast, man, I'd have some choice words for the days that like, I just wanted to throw my computer in the air and just walk away. But that's, that's the difference. I think that's why really seasoned entrepreneurs and, and people who aren't – there's nothing wrong with money. Money is a tool. But people who aren't just in it for money will tell you that that if they had just been in it for money, they would have quit and found something that made money faster a long time ago. You know what I mean? Um, good point. It's it's really that that, and that's why why one of our company purposes, you know, our our sort of ethos and mission and reason for being is to unlock life purpose through career clarity. Because if you're out there living on purpose and doing your work on purpose, well, then the internet going out is not the end of the world. <laughs> you know? Like yeah. it sucks and it's not fun for a day or whatever. But the next day you're like, all right, I'm back at it. I'm back in the saddle. I'm doing the thing. I'm serving this purpose. Like I'm living on purpose. I'm doing this with intention. And that's a totally different ethos. You know, mm -hmm. like, you know how many people just zombie walk to work every day? Like yeah. I, I was talking to one of our, one of the people on my team, he's an enrollment coach. He's like, back when I hated my job, he was also a client, um, for five out of four out of five people on my team actually are previous clients. Um, and so I know that they're living their dream job. You know, I know that they're living there in their niche. And he was like, I used to literally pray that I would hit more red lights on the way to work. Like that's how much <laughs> I didn't want to go. And I was like, I 100% understand. I used to have a four minute commute to my Wall Street job. And if I on the radio only heard uh, commercials and no music, I knew it was going to be a bad day. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, there's just these little things that when you're, when you're miserable, like your, your perspective in life totally changes. But when you're doing it on purpose, even on those really hard days, it's, it's never as bad or as dire or as miserable as those. Isn't that amazing? I, 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 I tell people, you know, I'm 55 years old. I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I grew up until I was 52. So only like three years ago. Wow, and I, Mark, I, that's cool. And I'm right in line with Neil, uh, Napoleon Hill. He wrote in Think and Grow Rich. He says, you know, most people find their achievements and success in their 50s and 60s. So I'm right on schedule according to Napoleon Hill. Wow. But anyways, I, I tell people, I say, I wake up every day at 5 a.m., seven days a week. I wake up and I'm so excited. Like, a, like I was a little boy at Christmas morning, like, what is this gift of a day going to be unwrapped as? What am I going to get? And, and I, I wish everyone felt this way and I don't have to make any money that day. Doesn't make any difference. I love what I do. I love the podcast. I love being on LinkedIn live. I love my clients. I love what I do. And when people go, well, how much money are you making? I said, dude, it has nothing to do with about the money. Because I know people, and I know you do, Tracy, who are very rich and they're miserable. 
money's just a magnifier. If you are a broke, <laughs> a broke, miserable person, you're gonna be a rich, miserable person. And so I wake up every honest to God, I wake up every day. I'm excited for the day. It's like a new gift. And I wish more people did that. If I use this analogy all the time, Winnie the Pooh. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of Eeyores out there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I am a Tigger. I am an annoyingly, optimistically bouncing off the wall Tigger. I love what I do. And you don't have to be a Tigger, but don't be an Eeyore. At least be a Winnie the Pooh. Just wear pants. Okay. But <laughs> just be go. a Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Oh my God. I love it. The wonderful thing about Tiggers. Their Tiggers are wonderful things. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. I love it. That's great. Good for you, man. I, I cannot commiserate with the 5 a.m. thing. I'm more of like a 9 or 10 a.m. kind of girl, but uh, <laughs> that's just me. So if you're out there going, well, I don't wake up at 7 or 5, or but I, but I like my job. That's okay. That's Mark, right? That's Mark's experience. Exactly. And I want to tell you that I didn't I, – I used to f- – fight getting up at 5 a.m. for the longest time. And then I read this book from Robin Sharma called the 5 a.m. Club. So I read the book in February and I said, I'm going to try this thing. Right. And I started doing it right now. In the beginning, it was really tough because I was used to staying up to midnight and sleeping at eight. But once I started, I go to bed at nine, I get up at five. It's still eight hours of sleep. Because my wife and I were empty nesters. You know, we just, our dogs on our sleep schedule, everything works just fine. And, and people go, you get up at five o'clock in the morning on Sunday. I'm like, yeah, it's like, cause I read that, uh, Dr. Matthew Walker's book, um, why we sleep. And he says the body needs consistently. So seven days a week, right. go to bed at the same time, get up at seven, same time. And since I've been doing that, I'm like, I'm rocking it. Now, if you don't want to be in a 5 a.m. club or a 6 a.m. club or a 7 a.m. club, if you want to get up at 10 o'clock and you can, by all means do that, but get up every day at 10 o'clock. And if you go to bed at midnight, go to bed at midnight every night. Don't go like change yes. your sleep time yep. every day. Yep. And so I, I, I agree with you. Tim Cook gets up at three forty-five in the morning. I'm like, white, what? No, and no. then he does one thing I never suggest is you, she checks email. Although it did benefit me because about two months ago, I did email him. I got up yeah. at 5 a.m., which is 3 a.m. in Cupertino. He actually got my email and he forwarded <gasps> it to his secretary. He wrote me back. So he does check his email at three forty-five. So if you want to email Tim, Make sure you're sending an email around 3.30 a.m. <laughs> his time on the West Coast. Uh, oh, your chances man. go up dramatically. Hard pass, friend, but uh, I'll keep it in mind. I'll put that, I'll put that in my back pocket. <laughs> well, it's not for everyone. That, that's for sure. That's funny. I love it. And there's no magic. People think, oh, 5 a.m. is you get before the sun. My run, my daily run is done before the sun comes up. But you know what? It's not a magic bullet. If you get up at, at 5 a.m. and you watch a Netflix video for three hours, what's the point? So it's, it's, there's no magic getting up early. If you're just going to like not do anything, mm-hmm. it's just like, if you get up at nine o'clock, if you don't do anything for three hours, well, you can just something in the noon. And yeah. so the point is, it's not what time you get up is what are you doing once you get up? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm still mastering that whole morning, miracle morning routine, yada, yada, yada. I, it's, it's never been in my DNA. Um, frankly, like I, I have visual <laughs> vivid memories of like my mom dressing me in the morning, like just get my limp little body, like out of bed to go play softball or whatever. And That's so even point. now I just, it, it, the, the, <laughs> if I can minimize the amount of time between getting out of bed and getting out the door, that's always my goal. And then I'm just gone. And, and, and that's what I'm most productive. If I'm, if I'm stuck around the house or I'm like, you know, dabbling, you know how some people are just like, no, I sit and I have my coffee and I read a book and I do all these. I'm like, no, get me out of the house. Cause otherwise I'll go right back to bed. And, uh, <laughs> and so I get, I get out of the house and I come to the office and I'm immediately working and productive and, and, and that's the, what works for me, you know? So yeah. But it's 100%. it's a constant sort of 
I, I don't know. It took me about six years to kind of get into a routine and I'm still messing with it. You know what I mean? So, and that's okay. I, I just want people to hear it's okay. I, I have a very solid morning routine and it took me years to develop it, but I don't ever tell someone, well, geez, Tracy, why can't you get your morning routine together? You know, it'll happen when it happens. I mean, I'm a firm believer in morning routines, but I think you need to create your routine that works best for you. You shouldn't copy someone else's. So I customize mine to work for me, but I work with a lot of clients about morning routines, but I said, Hey, listen, it's a process. There's not like you go to Walmart and pick something off the shelf and ta-da, you got a morning routine. You got to figure out what works for you. And I think that's really important, but I want, before we close, I want to go back to this. Um, you told us in the very beginning, what smart people do. They, they take a step back and they, they look at their transferable skills and they try to repurpose them. I, I got a feeling I know what your answer to this, but what do, what do, um, I don't want to call them dumb people, but what do unsmart people do, uh, when they get furloughed or lose their job? Well, I would say first and foremost, the, the biggest mistake would be to race right back into anything else that pays you, unless that's what your need is right now. If, if you literally are sort of hand to mouth, you know, paycheck to paycheck, then yes, by all means, go get a job alleviate that sort of number one visceral concern, right? But then as soon as you have some some white space, that's when you want to take the time. Take Do one less hour of Netflix and one more hour of behavioral assessments. You know, do one less hour of, um, I, I don't know, even maybe cooking and, and order out once and take that hour and figure out your core values and figure out where you're misaligned. You know, they're, they're really easy things you can do if you decide that that's what your goal or your focus or your priority is. So I would say that just the biggest mistake is, is, you know, when we have problems, the brain wants to solve them, right? It's, it's constantly solutions oriented and looking to put a bandaid on something that's bleeding and it doesn't triage well, right? So it doesn't realize, oh, this thing that's bleeding actually needs stitches. I just need to cover it up. And that's the solution. Um, but it's not, <laughs> it's not a sustainable solution, right? If you really need stitches, a band aid is not going to get you there. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, the biggest mistakes that I see are um, hiding from this. So just, again, waiting until the dust settles and thinking, okay, then I'm going to want to make a change because what we don't realize about our own psychology is by the time that things do settle down, the last thing we want to do is yet another change, right? Like if you've moved, do you want to pick up and move again immediately mm -hmm. after you've set up everything in your house? And like, like, think about it like that, right? If you get a new job, are you really going to want to do all the work that's required to go do another job search? No, yeah. you're absolutely not. You're lying to yourself about the amount of motivation you're going to have. Here's the other thing. I think <laughs> I know this to be a fact. I know a lot of people in the happiness psychology movement, um, and I got to start work with a lot of them in college, which was really fun. And uh, what's fascinating is we are so bad at estimating what's going to make us happy how happy it's going to make us and how long we're going to experience that happiness. So human beings are really good at pain and pleasure, right? Like, oh, don't touch the stove and like, oh, that thing makes me feel good. 
But what we're horrible at is the depth and breadth of how something is going to give us long-term joy and happiness. We overestimate a lot of things like this accomplishment, this goal, this task, this um, ascension to, let's say, status or salary or whatever. And then we underestimate a lot of really valuable things like lasting relationships and our core values and the sustainability of a job and things like that. And it's really scary because, you know, people spend their whole lives chasing this thing that they think is going to have this long-term lasting effect on them and they're going to be done and sort of wipe their hands of it, right? And they get there and then there's always another there, you know? Yeah. That's how we're hardwired. So it's 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 like in my own business, for instance, I always want to be building a life that I aspire to but I don't want it to be at the expense of enjoying my life right now. And that was really important to me from day one of my business, which is why I don't work 80-hour weeks. I don't aspire to or ascribe to the Gary V work from 7 to 2 a.m. Oh, I'm so glad you yada, said yada, that. Yada. Because, like, I just don't. Yeah, but, because I'll tell you this much. When I, when I laid out my plan, I said, okay, how many clients do I want a month? Because I don't want to work you know, 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. doing clients. I don't have any interest doing that. I like my white space. Okay. I like that, uh, uh, time for personal development. I, I like time to go out and hang out with my dog or go for a walk yeah, with my I like wife. To and, so crochet I, and watch Netflix and so yeah, leave me so, alone about it. You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't want, I have no desire to work as much as like Gary V and Grant Cardone and all these people do. If you want to, that's your thing. I'm not judging you, but I, if that's a, if they tell me, listen, you won't make your millions. That's okay. Because no, I want to join life as well. You and I can absolutely make our millions. We're just not going to do it in two years. We're going to do it in five or we're going to do it in 10 or we're going to do it in 15. You know what I mean? Like if, if you know your values and you decide what you're willing to have and not have at the expense of those values, guess what? Timing, speed, never been one of my top 10 core values, but is having amazing relationships, is love, is my faith, is um, feeling like mastery in my business. Like, absolutely. And so I'm willing to live a life I love where I work 40, maybe 50 hours a week. I have my own cute little office. I decide when I get to come in and when I leave and I don't beat myself up about it as much as I used to because, uh, you know, like overachiever central, right? Like I, I was like, I'm, I'm not in the office at six. What's wrong with me? Um, that's anyway, neither here nor there. Uh, but if, if you decide and you own what your values really are, what you find is the other things don't matter as much. This being an overnight success doesn't matter as much. Being on the 30 under 30 list doesn't matter as much. Those are other people's values. Those are other people's markers of success. They may be yours, but unless you've done the work and the honest work to actually figure out what your core values are and what moves the needle for you, then you're probably living off of somebody else's definition of what they value and what success is for them. And and that's why I don't do my life and my business like that because I I didn't want to put my head down for five or 10 years just to get to an outcome. I wanted to actually live presently and enjoy the steps and the journey. Like be where I am in each step of and process of my business and also have have a life 
outside of work, you know, have friends and maybe exercise once in a while and try new foods and travel. And like, especially while I'm young, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not all about like sacrificing your 20s or 30s for some outcome and then living off of that. But some people are like, I just read this great article about this guy who him and his wife, um, they both retired at 35 with like 900,000 in savings that they're living off of. And they did it over the span of like 10 years where they lived very frugally, they didn't travel, they didn't do anything, they lived off one income, they, you know, had one car. Like they were very smart about what they spent and because that was their goal, right? Like that was what they wanted. But I I don't want to live that way and that's fine. Um, you know, it, it's just it, you've got to you've got to do the work to figure out your own value set and then live by those values and and what that allows you to do is not get so easily distracted by what other people care about. And I find that to be really powerful. So the thing that, that the, to bring this all the way back to your original question, the biggest mistake you can make right now is scrambling for a solution and not taking the time you've been given to determine your best life and what moves the needle for you and then do everything in your power to pursue a life and a career that allows you to live true to those values because that's the key to long-term and sustainable success. 100%. So great conversation with you. I know the listener is going to want to find out more information about you and connect with you. So where would we go? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I had my team uh, go ahead and create a landing page just for your listeners. Um, And because we talked about your name at the very beginning, you're going to laugh. So it's it's tracytim.com, T-R-A-C-Y-T-I-M-M.com forward slash ski. S-K-I. That's it. So tracytim.com, no E in Tracy and two M's in Tim forward slash ski S-K-I. And there you're going to be able to find how to connect directly with me, how to connect with my team. We offer free 50-minute strategy calls. So if this is really landing with you and you're lacking clarity and you don't know your values and you want some help in that area, you can find out if working with us makes sense for you. Uh, And then there's a ton of free resources. I've got downloads and videos and master classes out the wazoo. And so you can find all of those links at that landing page, tracytim.com forward slash ski. Excellent. Well, I really appreciate you being on the podcast today, sharing your insights. And thank you for not calling me Sky, because a lot of people in Texas Ah. think SKI is Sky. Uh, Go back to class. Uh, I have all Polish and Czechoslovakian background families. So I've met a senior too. You'll be amazed. A number of times my wife and I went to dinner, and instead of telling them Struchowski, a party of two, we'd say ski. And one day we were at at a restaurant. And they said, uh, sky party of two. And I looked at my wife. I'm like, uh, is that us? I'm like, go back to school, darling. So thank you so much for being on the show today. It was an absolute thrill having you on. Oh, thank you, Mark. And uh, thanks for all the work you're doing for people. It's definitely a great show and very inspirational. And so I'm happy to add a little value. Thank you. And just before we go, don't forget to head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. Find out how I can coach you for less than a dollar a day. No joke. And also, you can get my top five productivity tips and so much more. It all happens at mrproductivity.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.